0: Okay, up on the screen there's a advert for Christianity Explored that kicks off a week on Monday. And just to remind you that next Sunday evening, next Sunday night, we'll be back in the church building, our newly renovated church building, next Sunday night. Uh, Trina, you're going to bring us a Bible reading. You'll find your Bible reading on a sheet of paper on your seat. That is because we're trialing a new version of the Bible. And tonight's from Acts chapter 26.
1: 26. Agrippa said to Paul, it is permitted for you to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began his defence. I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that today I'm going to make a defence before you about everything I'm accused of by the Jews, especially since you are an expert in all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem. They had previously known me for quite some time, if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand on trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers, the promise our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve him night and day. King Agrippa, I am being accused by the Jews because of this hope. Why is it considered incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? In fact, I myself supposed it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus the Nazarene. I actually did this in Jerusalem and I locked up many of the saints in prison since I had received authority for that from the chief priests. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. In all the synagogues, I often tried to make them blaspheme by punishing them. I even pursued them to foreign cities, since I was greatly enraged at them. I was travelling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those travelling with me we all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant And a witness of what you have seen and of what I will reveal to you. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. I now send you to them to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That by faith in me they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I have obtained help that comes from God and I stand and testify to both small and great saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. As he was making his defense this way, Festus exclaimed in a loud voice, You're out of your mind, Paul. Too much study is driving you mad. But Paul replied, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. On the contrary, I'm speaking words of truth and good judgment. For the king knows about these matters. It is to him I am actually speaking boldly. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his notice, since this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily? I wish. Before God, replied Paul, that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am, except for these chains. So the king, the governor Bernice, and those sitting with them got up, and when they had left, they talked of each other and said, this man is doing nothing that deserves death or chains. Then Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thanks so much, Trina. I'm going to ask you tonight, what is the most significant life-transforming event in your life? Nice, easy question. W- what is the event in your life that has changed you most? could be your, your wedding day that's when life changed, or the birth of a child, that's when life changed, it could be that job that set your life on a different path, it could be that illness that changed your life forever. What is the most significant event in your life? If I had the Apostle Paul next to me tonight, and I said to him, what is the most significant event in your life? I think he would answer that question very easily, wouldn't he? You say, the day I met Jesus, the day I met my Saviour, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, that that is the day that my life changed forever. Can I humbly suggest that if you're a follower of Jesus tonight, if you're a Christian, that is the most significant event in your life. It is more significant than your wedding day. It is more significant than the birth of your child. It is more significant than any success or any illness or any failure. The day that you met Jesus Christ, that's the most significant event in your life. I'm sure it might not be as miraculous as, uh, or spectacular as the Apostle Paul. There might not be a blinding light or a voice from heaven. But the significance is still the same, isn't it? Because when you've met Jesus, you've experienced forgiveness. When you've met Jesus, you've experienced hope. When you've met Jesus, you've experienced unconditional love. When you've met Jesus, you've experienced a certainty of the future. And grace, and peace, and joy. And if you have met Jesus, your life is never the same again. I wish Paul was here tonight. I wish you could see just how amazing grace really is. I remember meeting a a, a wedding couple and they wanted to have the hymn Amazing Grace at their wedding. Except they wanted to change the second line of the song because they didn't like it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. They liked the first line, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, but they wanted to change the second line to that saved a person like me. Because they found it hard to accept that they were really a wretch. And if the Apostle Paul was here tonight, he would be a walking, talking example of what it really means to say, yeah, I'm a wretch, yet God showed his grace to me. So what I'll do tonight is I'm going to go into character, I'm going to play the Apostle Paul and relive his story, relive his conversion. So here we go. I'm Saul and I was born in a place called Tarsus. You've probably never heard of that place. It's a beautiful city and I grew up as a, a Pharisee. What's a Pharisee, you ask? A Pharisee basically means that we are right and you are wrong. A Pharisee basically means that we love the Scriptures and we love God so much that we are convinced that we are right And that everyone else is wrong. I love the scriptures. Every day I read the Bible. Every day I prayed. Every day I fasted. Every day I kept God's law. And I went about my business saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I thought that I was a somebody. I thought that God loved me because I was so good. That's why I hated Jesus. I I hated Jesus. I hated Christians. I think I met the man Jesus one day in a temple. He was surrounded by these followers. He had a kind of occult following, and he was teaching about forgiveness. Here's what he said. Jesus said these words. He says, I have the authority to forgive sins. How blasphemous is that? And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, no, no, Jesus, you are completely wrong, because only God forgives sins. And then I realized that what Jesus was teaching was so outrageous. He was saying that if you just believed in Jesus, you could be forgiven. But no way. I've kept the law. I've been good. I've earned my forgiveness. And that's why I hated him. He had thousands of followers. So what we did was this, we, uh, we found Jesus and we, uh, we, we, we tied him to a post and we got a whip and we, we whipped his back so hard until the blood just dripped from his back. And we hated him so much that we, we found an old wooden cross and we, we hung him there to die. And we were cheering because <laughs> he was dead. A bizarre thing happened. Even after we killed him, the number of followers kept on increasing. There were thousands of them, and they were claiming that he had risen again. The tomb was empty, and we thought, oh, what a joke. So here was my my mission in life. My mission in life was to, to seek out the Christians and to kill them. That's how much I hated Jesus. I went to the chief priest one day, and I said, look, give me a letter which gives me the authority to to hunt down those Christians, to throw them in prison and to kill them. I was there one day when a man called Stephen was killed. He was a Christian. He was preaching about forgiveness, preaching that Jesus could forgive your sins. And so he shouted, stone him, stone him. It was a bizarre day because this man Stephen died and I was there. As he died... He didn't look scared at all. He had this peace about him. And he uttered these words Forgive them. It's totally bizarre. A- anyway, one day I was walking down this road to Damascus. Damascus is about 300 kilometres from Jerusalem. Do you know why I went to Damascus? Have a guess. To hunt down the Christians. And when I found them, chuck them in jail and then kill them. It's about midday and. The sun was really bright that day, but suddenly there was this blazing light from heaven, like brighter you could ever, ever imagine. It totally blinded me. In fact, it was so bright, I was thrown down to the floor. And that's when my life changed. I heard a voice from heaven. The voice said this, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm thinking, heaven? He knows my name. it has got to be God. And I wanted to say, God, I'm not persecuting you. God, I'm on your team. I'm doing your work. I've been a good, faithful, religious follower all this, all this, all my life. But I didn't. I just said, I said, Who are you, sir? And here's the words that changed my life. The voice from heaven said, I am... Can you guess? I am Jesus. And I'm thinking hang on a sec, we just killed Jesus. Perhaps he is alive. Perhaps he did rise again. Perhaps he is the Son of God. Perhaps he can forgive sins. Don't tell me that I have been wrong all my life. And that's when I met Jesus. So can you imagine that I'm lying on the floor, I'm lying in the gutter before the risen Lord Jesus Christ. And do you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that's exactly where I deserve to be. Lying in the gutter. Because I've disobeyed my God all my life. I've been a murderer. I've been a liar. I've been selfish. I've been greedy. I've been so, so, so wretched. I would not have been surprised if God had left me lying on the ground in the gutter. But he didn't. Jesus said, get up. And you know, I got up. I I, I was still blind, I couldn't see. and, And so they led me into Damascus. It's not the way I expected to go to Damascus. I expected to be proud and confident and full of prowess. But here I was, humble, weary and blind. That's what happens when you meet Jesus. He just humbles you. Anyway, I'm in this room in Damascus and this man called Ananias comes and he sees me and he's a Christian. Can you imagine that if you're a follower of Jesus and you've just been told to go and meet me who's killed thousands of Christians? I'm guessing you'd be scared. But he wasn't scared. Do you know the first words he said to me? The first words I heard from the lips of a fellow Christian after I met Jesus? Here's the first words he said to me Brother Saul. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. It's not that just God has accepted me, but I'm part of a family. Brother Saul. And he touched me an amazing act of love. And my life was totally changed once I'd met Jesus. I I stopped killing the Christians (laughs) and I started meeting with the Christians. I stopped hating Jesus and I started preaching that Jesus was alive and Jesus forgives sins. If you met me 20 years ago, you would never believe the man I used to be. But you know, God grabbed hold of me and God changed me because I met Jesus. You might be there thinking, oh, this man's out of his mind. I met a man called Festus once. He told me I was out of my mind. You out of your mind, Paul? He said. I was very. I hope I was polite. I hope I was gracious. I said, No, I'm not out of my mind. I just speak the truth. I've met Jesus. I know He's the Son of God. I know He forgives sins. Uh, you might be sitting here tonight thinking, Is Paul trying to convert me? Are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? A man called King Agrippa asked me that question. You know, King Agrippa was the great great grandson of the man who tried to kill the baby Jesus. I was pretty scared of him because he hated Christians as well. And he said, are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? I thought, how am I going to answer that question? (laughs) And so I said this, I said, of course I am. (laughs) Because when you've met Jesus, when you've experienced joy and peace and grace and forgiveness, don't you want everybody to, to experience that as well? So that's my story. I met Jesus and my life was radically changed. And if Paul was here tonight, he'd ask you one simple question. Have you met Jesus? Have you really met Jesus? Have you had your life radically transformed by meeting the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you know? I'll ask you three questions. Have you experienced God's extravagant forgiveness? Have you experienced God's extravagant forgiveness? There's a verse in Acts 26. Let's get on the screen. Paul says his mission was to open their eyes so they may turn from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that by faith in Jesus, by trusting in the death of Jesus, they may receive forgiveness of sins. That's what God promises you if you trust in Jesus, forgiveness of your sins. Paul was a murderer. Paul was religious. Paul was self-righteous. Paul was a liar, and yet he experienced the forgiveness of God. And I, I find huge comfort in that, don't you? That if God can forgive Paul, if Jesus died to forgive the Apostle Paul, then of course He died to forgive me and you. You have experienced human forgiveness. You have experienced forgiveness where you go to someone and say, I, "I'm sorry, I wronged you, I hurt you." And they say the words, I forgive you. I'll describe it to you. It's, it's a relief. The guilt's gone. The burden is gone. <laughs> the freedom is there. And so when your Heavenly Father looks at you, and he knows you, he knows your sin, he knows that you're wretched, he knows that you're selfish and proud, he knows all those words that you say that you don't want other people to hear. But in the Lord Jesus Christ, he looks at you and says, I Forgive you. Uh, God's forgiveness. It's not like he just pretends it hasn't happened. In the scriptures it describes the forgiveness of God as uh, he he throws your sin, your wrongdoing to the bottom of the ocean so you can't grab hold of it anymore. He puts it behind his back so he can't see it anymore. As far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed your transgressions, your sins from you. That is forgiveness. It's total. It's complete. It's costly, isn't it? The C.S. Lewis who says that everyone loves to talk about forgiveness is much harder to actually offer it. Please don't think it was easy for God to forgive you. It was hard. It was costly. He was willing to send his own son to an old wooden cross to forgive you. But God's forgiveness is total, it's complete. I love this quote from Max Lucado. Our saviour kneels. He kneels down and gazes upon the darkest acts of our lives. But rather than recall in horror, our saviour reaches out in kindness and says, I can clean that if you want. And from the basin of grace, of his undeserved kindness, he scoops a palm full of mercy and grace and washes our sin. Isn't that extraordinary? That God would forgive you and me. Think about forgiveness. You need to ask for it to recognize that you've done the wrong thing. But when you say the words, I'm sorry, and you look at the face of Jesus, God says, I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. I love the the new song that we sing, All I Have is Christ. Here's the lyrics. It's coming up on the screen. I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way, the sin that promised joy and life that led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will, and if you had not loved me first, I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hell-bound race, indifferent to the cost, You looked upon my helpless state, and you led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed. You suffered in my place. You bore the wrath reserved for me. Now all I know is is grace. That is forgiveness. Have you experienced that? If you've met Jesus, you must have experienced that extravagant forgiveness. The second way you know you've met Jesus is that you've experienced God's patient prompting. There's a very bizarre verse in our reading, Acts 26, verse 14. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Isn't that a bizarre verse? What does that mean? Uh, The goads are a a stick that you use to to prod an ox or a cattle to make it do what you want it to do. And you can't fight against it. The person with the stick is in charge and you will go the way that, y- that he wants you to go. And what God is saying to, to Paul, what the, the risen Lord Jesus is saying to the Apostle Paul is, I'm sorry Paul, but you can't stop it. I'm going to grab hold of you. I'm going to open your eyes to Jesus. I'm going to show you that, that Jesus really does offer forgiveness and you can't do anything that you want to stop me. You can't kick against the goats what the Bible calls irresistible grace. I don't know how God prompted Paul. Maybe as Paul persecuted all these Christians and they kept talking about Jesus, God was using them just to to fill his mind with truths about Jesus. Maybe as Paul saw the the apostle Stephen being martyred, uh, the way that he died, God was prompting Paul and, and pursuing Paul then. Maybe as a Christians kept talking about forgiveness that is not earned, but as a gift from God. Maybe uh, God was prompting Paul then and saying, look, religion doesn't work. Law-keeping does not work. You cannot earn it. I don't know how God prompted Paul, but I know that God did chase after Paul. I, if Paul was here tonight and, he and you said, uh, uh, when did you find Jesus? He'd say, I didn't find Jesus. Jesus found me. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was just going my own way on the Damascus road, but he grabbed hold of me. And that's the story of many a Christian. God prompting, God prodding, God finding them. Now you might be here tonight and you're like a, a Saul of Tarsus. Now you're very successful, you're very competent, and you're here thinking there's no way in the world I would ever become a Christian. Can I just humbly say that you don't be so sure? Please don't be so sure. Because if God is chasing you, you can't resist him. Maybe you're here tonight and you know God has been prompting you and God has been prodding you for many, many years. You've got all these Christian friends who have something different and you want what they want. Maybe suddenly you've started reading the Bible or talking about Jesus or or maybe just life has dealt you a really rough hand and there's tragedy and there's trial and suddenly you are looking for answers. You're looking for a hope. You're looking for a reason and you keep going back to Jesus. I don't know how God is prompting you. But please don't say that you have found Jesus. No, Jesus finds you. The third reason that you know you've met Jesus is that you've experienced God's transforming grace. That's the reality, isn't it? When you've met Jesus, your life is never the same again. Uh, Paul is a classic example. Murderer to church planter. Christian hater (laughs) to Christian lover. Uh, I I keep meeting people and they've, they've had their lives transformed by Jesus. I think of Rashimi who is a Hindu who spent 18 years praying to her gods and then she met Jesus and for the first time in her life she had peace. I think of James who's in prison and if you said to him are you a wretch he'd say yeah I'm a wretch <laughs> if you knew things I'd done. But he's now met Jesus and so he's a wretch to his experience forgiveness. I think of Elizabeth who suffers severe depression And she's met Jesus. She still gets depressed. But there's a hope. There's a future. You see, if you have met Jesus, then you are different. You have changed. You can't get around that. I want to challenge you, friends. If you have met Jesus, how has your life changed? How are you different? It's got to be different. It's John Newton who said, uh, I'm not what I once was. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be yet, but I'm not what I once was. I've been changed because I've met Jesus. And if you have met Jesus, first, you must all be able to say that. I'm not what I want to be. I'm far from perfect, but I am different. I'm not what I once was. So if you're here tonight and you've met Jesus, you've got a story to tell. A story of God's transforming grace. My story began 22 years ago when I met Jesus. He just took a a proud, self-sufficient, arrogant, impatient, young 20-year-old. And he turned my life around. So what is your story if you've met Jesus? You might be saying, oh Paul, are you trying to convert me? (laughs) Are you trying to persuade me to become a Christian? And I'm saying, yeah, of course I am. (laughs) Of course I am. I've met Jesus and i found forgiveness and joy and peace and hope and a certainty in the future of course I want you to know Jesus it's the amazing grace how sweet the sound that says a wretch like you and me please don't leave here tonight thinking that you could earn forgiveness please don't leave here tonight thinking that you deserve forgiveness it's all grace and the name of that man is the Lord Jesus Christ I'm going to finish tonight slightly differently we don't normally do this in church in a sermon I'm going to throw it over to you guys and ask you to share if you're willing, if you're bold you don't have to, don't feel pressure if you have met Jesus if you are a Christian, if you had your life transformed just where you are stand up and say how your life has changed just one sentence meeting Jesus has transformed me how has he done that? I'll kick us off. Uh, I've shared a bit. I think meeting Jesus gave me an identity. I mean, growing up in a a home with a a terminally ill father and lots of sickness and lots of issues, I I was just confused. You know, was I loved? Who was I? Was I a a son or was I a surrogate dad or who was I? And when I met Jesus, I I realized who I was. I was a child of God, dearly loved, And God would never leave me. And God would never forsake me. That's how my life changed. Anybody else bold enough to share?